Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It is the daily slash Buck IQ. And after a couple days to think about it, Zach Bourne is finally maybe ready to talk about Ohio State and Georgia and the Peach Bowl. So it's a Friday morning. It's a freaky Friday. It's a Buck IQ with no film clips, but it's time to get that insight from our guy, Zach Bourne. Man, I don't know if I'm recovered yet. You know, Saturday. <laughs> So ready to celebrate the ball was dropping i was like this is just you know the titanic music was playing in the background i was just ready for like a walk-off buckeye victory and then all of us go to la and celebrate a national championship but uh man it's uh i don't know if i've ever you know I, obviously i played at ohio state and um you know i've been following them very closely for a long time i don't think i ever remember a game where a game of that magnitude where they're dominating so much the entire game and then at the last second it's ripped away with them you know a lot of people want to bring up clemson 2019 um you know and there, it, it, and there was kind of the same feel but it was almost like this game this past saturday it, it, you almost had that feeling they weren't going to lose like they were right. going to do everything to to win that game and uh man it's just tough this one's going to sting for a long time yeah i was thinking about that earlier in the week and some people asked like wh which one's more painful for ohio state and i really thought like driving back on sunday and getting back into columbus on monday that the clemson loss because of the like way i couldn't understand the officiating and the overturning of the akuda touchdown and the sean wade targeting and you know 10 other things that went against them like well that's got to be worse but as the week's gone on and especially because of how great the opportunity was going to be on monday night in la against tcu like it it felt like the national title was within their reach uh and they did enough to beat georgia i can now kind of come around on the idea that that saturday night might be much more painful out of all these recent losses for ohio state and i, I think that's probably where you're at well yeah i mean you think of that clemson game you know and it, it, it Ohio State had a superior team in 2019. I mean, they were unbelievable. But throughout that game, there were just some things that didn't go their way with the officiating, like you talked about, just the waves of emotion. It was kind of like you just felt like the up and down um, in 2019, whereas in Saturday night, it was – you know, they, they got smoked by Michigan, the, you know, Thanksgiving Day weekend. It was kind of like their backs were against the wall. There's been a bunch of negative talk and they were coming out Saturday night, guns a blazing. There was no way they were going to lose that game. And you just felt throughout the entire game, it was like they had the momentum. They, they never really lost it. You know, they were ahead by 14 points two times. And even when Georgia came back, it still felt like Ohio State had the momentum. They were still making the plays. C.J. Stroud was playing out of his mind. You just always felt like uh, someone was going to make a play to win that game, which I think was a little bit different than 2019 because you thought the officials <laughs> were going to steal the game regardless, right? And <laughs> and so Saturday night being a, being a clean game and feeling like Ohio State had the momentum the entire time, I think that defeat is just, it, it hits you harder because, um, yeah, throughout that entire game, there was a, a, a sense of feeling. I know with Buckeye fans, uh, in Atlanta, I know Buckeye fans watching everywhere. I think everyone just felt like, man, we are actually going to win this game and there's no way we're losing. It's one of those games where there's like a million moments and they, then they just pop back into your mind about things that could have gone differently. And I was like, while you were talking, I, I thought of one more parallel with 2019, which was J.K. Dobbins getting hurt and being not not himself late in that Clemson game. And then now you have 
the Marvin Harrison uh, concussion protocol situation, the targeting that wasn't called. That was two things at once. That's that's Sean Wade and J.K. Dobbins jammed into one situation, plus a Jeff Okuda overturn. Like all of that pump, pumped into one play. It was so pivotal. I know that it's it sucks. It's a loser mentality to blame the officials, but I will never understand how you throw the flag on the field because you heard the helmet to helmet contact. You saw contact to the helmet, and you also saw Marvin Harrison knocked out cold on the ground. That doesn't happen when you get hit in the shoulder. I don't know how a video replay can look at that and overturn what the guy saw on the field. It doesn't make any sense. It was not clear and obvious that it wasn't targeting. Well, I think like you said, the flag was thrown. It was called targeting at that point in the game. I don't think you can return or over override it. You know, I don't think it wasn't one of those things where targeting wasn't called. And then they went to review to see if it was targeting. It was the opposite way around. And whenever the flag is thrown and, and the call is made, it, there needs to be firm evidence that it wasn't targeting. You can't get that. Marvin, Marvin Harrison's knocked out on the ground. You know, I know uh, the, the remarks made by the refs afterwards or, or towards Ryan Day after it was overturned was they said Marvin got knocked out when he hit the ground. Like you're going to see that on, on, uh, on video replay and Marvin didn't hit the ground all that hard. You can see that man, he took a vicious hit from that player. And even if you look at it, the player's off his feet. You know, how many times does, does targeting, uh, it, does it get verified when the player is, is launching at another player and is off their feet? And if you go back and look at the video, the Georgia defensive player is off his feet targeting Marvin Harrison and launching at him. And that's why the, the, the rule was made, right? Because they didn't want guys launching themselves at defensive play, at defenseless players. And it's almost like, you know, I hate targeting. I'll be the first one to say it. I don't think people should get ejected for it. I think it's, uh, you, you know, I think it, it changes games drastically. But if you're going to call a, a penalty, in my mind, for targeting the head area, for launching at someone, uh, that, that was it. That you can't return. You can't over uh, override that call once it was made on the field. Okay, Zach, we have to, if we're going to combine Buck IQ into the daily, we have to talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, I thought Jim Knowles needed to stay aggressive. That's his identity. That's what they teach. Um, you know, he said afterwards that there were calls that he wanted back. I'm sure that we know what a few of those would be. Um, you know, Lathan Ransom also just falls to the ground on one of them. They were able to create enough pressure, I thought, on Stetson Bennett at times. They got the turnover that they were trying to force by playing aggressively. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't necessarily point the finger and say that Jim Knowles did anything wrong in this game. Uh, maybe I'm not right about that. What, what do you think about the defensive performance? You know, I, I love Jim Knowles being aggressive. We've said it for so many years now on Buckeye Q. We, we couldn't stand the just you know, sitting back and, and play defense where people march down the field. And the next, thing you know, it's like, Hey, we didn't make a stop and do it. And kind of that bend, but don't break defense that Ohio state's played for a long time. Mm -hmm. And knowing Jim Knowles was coming in here and how aggressive he was, we've praised his, his aggressiveness all year long. And I think as a defense, you have to be aggressive. Yes. There are some play calls where, uh, you know, especially when you're up 14 points late in the game uh, in the fourth quarter and you call 
cover one, right? And Lathan Ransom uh, trips and falls and guy goes 76 yards for a touchdown. I'm sure he wants that back. You know, I'm all for bringing pressure, but maybe in that situation, play with some help over top, bring some mm-hmm. pressure, you know, uh, with the linebackers, bring some blitzes from that standpoint, but play a coverage behind it. Um, y- you know, I think they played well. Did they play perfect? No. Uh, could they have done a lot of things better? Yes. Um, you know, I think early on in the game, they could have set the tone by tackling better. You know, but that always kind of happens in a bowl game. They they didn't play a conference championship game. So they've been, you know, sitting at home for technically five weeks and you haven't really seen the bullets flying live in a game like that, especially that magnitude. And so the tackling wasn't great early on, but, and I thought they played well. I, I think the only thing that probably they could have done, got, done better is gotten to the quarterback more. You know, they applied pressure on Stetson Bennett. I don't think uh, Stetson Bennett was was able to do some of the things that we've seen him do in the SEC with, you know, running the football, things like that. Stetson Bennett played a great game, but, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of his yardage were on big plays that Ohio State gave up on the back end. And so, um, you know, I think that's the only thing is as, from the defense line standpoint, just they didn't get home uh, as much as they needed to. And obviously, yeah, Jim Knowles rolled the dice in, in situations that obviously cost them there were a lot of questions about well how did tommy eichenberg wind up taking a deep route over the middle like flashbacks to tough borland uh now i believe not an expert many other people have have chimed in on this as well so what you saw there it seemed like tampa too and then georgia just found a way to get the right matchup um i don't know how deep into it we have to get but it wasn't as if they said hey this seems like a great idea. Let's put our middle linebacker on somebody in the slot. Yeah, it was definitely Tampa too. And I've watched the play actually multiple times. And if you see it, as soon as the play, as soon as the ball is snapped and Tommy sees its pass, he literally turns and sprints with that slot receiver. And Tommy Eichenberg, by all means, is a phenomenal linebacker. I think, you know, you and I have been talking about how good of a linebacker <laughs> is, but Buckeye Nation has has just ragged on him for so long until this year. Um, but Tommy Eichenberg is a athletic dude who can play, who can run sideline to sideline, who can, you know, do some, some great things that we've seen past Ohio state linebackers do when you're playing Tampa two and no one jammed the slot receiver, this slot, the slot receiver had a clean release is running full speed down the field. Tommy Eichenberger turning and running with a guy who's probably a four, three guy did everything he possibly could actually kept up with him, you know, but when, the slot guy doesn't get jammed. When you're playing Tampa 2, you got to make sure someone gets hands on him. That never happened. And then the other thing is, you know, yes, the the two safeties were there, but the two safeties weren't much help. You know, yes, that there was one side w- with a deep threat, <clears throat> but those guys need to know, hey, listen, I got my middle linebacker running down the middle of the field trying to help here. I got to make sure I get behind him and help and, and give him some help from the back end. It just didn't happen, you know? So that's one of those things where the, the safeties were a step slow. They could have given him more help and yeah, I mean that that's not on Tommy right there. That's that's him turning and running and giving it hell with a guy that's running four three untouched. Yeah. Uh because the offseason is so long, I promise everyone we will have some Buck IQ breakdowns of the film of that game. We're just not we're just not ready for it. You know? It's, too uh, soon. It's, it's like a bad breakup. You know, when you break up with that girlfriend, you just don't want to see uh you don't want to see pictures of her on Instagram. You don't want to you just don't want to see video of her yeah. doing it fun you know what i'm saying or doing anything bad or good it's like i want nothing to do with her so that's what we're gonna <laughs> do a little bit till our hearts recover 
And then maybe we'll check in on it and we'll get ready for spring ball and we'll have some film. Um, but also, if you think that we're just scratching uh, the surface with Zach, uh, there's a good reason for that. We have a lot of stuff planned. We were hoping to all be working in L.A. Uh, we're good. The whole crew is heading out, uh, including Zach, uh, Bobby, Schlegs, Jay-Z. So we're going to work some more to look back on 2022 uh, and what could have been for Ohio State while we're out there. Uh, so I've got I have to let Zach save some of the good stuff uh for this week no, especially all of us together we're gonna get juiced up talk some ball man there's some exciting stuff coming uh, heck after this weekend in la we should have been working but after this weekend talking <laughs> ball i'm gonna wish that the season starts when spring ball starts you know i'll be ready i'll be ready to rock and roll yeah it's uh forget all the mat drills forget spring ball let's just go straight to september right now that'd be pretty good but i guess ohio state has some things they have to work out you know new quarterback replace some safeties nfl draft picks all that stuff so I guess we can't just do that, but we'll talk ball instead. So uh, appreciate uh, everybody joining us for an abbreviated version, a, a hybrid of Buck IQ with the daily on a Friday morning as we all get ready for some coverage out there and to hang out uh, with the podcast crew in Los Angeles. That includes, of course, our guy, Zach Boren. For Zach, I am Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.